Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy. Michael Lombardi with me today. We've got a fun hour number two coming up for you as our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, joins the show in a half hour to break down a big Sunday slate in the NBA. Thanks to Will Hill for stopping by in hour number one. Will Hill will be filling in on the Lombardi Line. It's his uh, his 20th job, he'll add, Michael. Uh, you're, about to, uh, you're about to take some vacation <laughs> time, so I'm, I'm excited for you Need on it. that. And yeah. we'll, be, uh, we'll be trying to fill your shoes. It's an impossible job, but he'll do his best no no it'll be will hill i mean the man runs four leagues i mean he's doing the scheduling you know we just talked about it i mean think about that he's got the maryland under pence you know he's got that game Rutgers. he's you know the man could spread the his wings over and then you know he's a big baseball guy too you know he could touch on all the baseball elements as well and scheduling television you know, he's what was he complaining about on Twitter the other day? I was laughing about, oh, that he was talking to him. And then he's breaking news. Like, you know, it, there was something that was breaking news that really wasn't breaking. Oh, Steve Kerr signing a contract yes. extension yeah. was breaking news. And it kind of offended my man, Will Hill, because he didn't think it was breaking news. So, you know, he's all things media. That's what I like about him. He's clamoring for like a like an or like a different font for like breaking news. that's not really huge you know on espn instead of the massive uh, yeah the, the red crawl there uh, you see across the bottom of the screen will did give out when i was on a numbers hosting a numbers game the other day michael he did give out mets under 82 and a half wins so more proof that he's got you covered on, uh, on every single sport uh so thanks to yeah, will no, for he's good on those baseball look I, I i kid him ben i kid him but he's good and you know he, he's got the he is a a professional he does this and and he studies it, you know, like I was listening to the Billy Walters interview with Joe Rogan the other day. I don't know if you caught it. And, you know, Billy was going through his process. Billy was going through what 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 he kind of tries to handle. It was really good. I thought he was unbelievable on this notion of, you know, the 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 dirty side so-called of betting you know is someone on the take is someone doing this and billy was really clear you know he was talking about a story in college basketball where he bet a game the line moved six points and you know and and he was on the other side and lost but the line had moved six points from the time and then it happened again 
and he didn't. And then he called the regulator and said, look, I think something's going on here. He made a great point. He said, you know, professional bettors like myself, we want the integrity of the sport to be at the highest level because just like the leagues do, because that it, it's a level playing field. And I think that was really powerful. And so it's a great interview if you want to catch it on Joe Rogan. He, di- he really goes into the process of it and how he handicaps a game and how he comes up with his line and then how he also determines what how many units he wants to spend per game. So he talked about the Saints game against the, the Colts where he, he thought the line should have been pick and it ended up being seven, and that was the game he made the most money on. So sure. it's fascinating. And I think what, what, it, what it teaches you is – if you're going to do this like Will Hill does it, you know, you got to have a process. And the thing that was great too, Ben, was he kept saying, and I think this is important in any aspect of business. He said, you have to change your process every year. You got to reestablish, you got to kind of look at it. And there's only 600 players that he has in his portfolio that could move the line a little bit. You know, we spend so much time on that injury list, right? That he only has about 600, um, less than half the league that he feels could move the line ever so slightly. It's also a great example of how every sport, that process has to be not necessarily completely different, but each sport is its own entity. And even within the NFL, right? NFL postseason betting, regular season, preseason are all different things. And then there's the NFL draft, which is in its own other entire world, right? Like it's all information based. Yeah. there's There's no trends you go off of. There's no matchups or anything like that. That's where this becomes fascinating now over the next month plus as the combine starts tomorrow in Indianapolis. And I mean, I'm curious as your thoughts as a former executive, you know, what what got you fired up about going to the combine from the evaluation piece of this? And we'll also dive into some of these draft numbers because, you know, the books are just guessing right now. Numbers are out there, but yeah, it's not to take that as gospel in any way. Those things can flip so easily on one tweet. I mean, we saw the number on Russell Wilson's next team completely flipped just because of one comment by Chad Ochocinco on a podcast this week. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast right now. Uh, so that's what I, I want. I think that better should have keeping in mind as we go into this whole uh, process here for the draft. And it also goes into the combine here, which starts tomorrow. Yeah. And I think you have to be really careful here because, you know, one of the things of being in the league, and this is not to discredit anybody, but there's so much bad information out there on the player evaluation, right? So, we just did a seminar on the daily coach about evaluating players. And the number one thing in any organization is scout inside out, not outside in. And when you scout inside out, you know what you want to do. You know what you're looking for that fits your scheme, that fits your profile, that fits your uh, philosophical understanding of how you want to play the game of football. Whereas mock drafters and people that evaluate, they're scouting outside in. You know, if you were to say to most of the guys who do the mock drafts, you know, explain to me the Steelers offensive scheme now with Arthur Smith and how does that change how they handle things? You need that answer before you could put players into there. Explain to me the Steelers defensive scheme, what they're looking for from their outside linebackers, from their inside, all that. Unless you can answer those questions rapidly off the tip of your tongue, it's hard for you to evaluate the players and how they would fit for the team. And so what, we're, what, what you see is a universal grade. Oh, I like this player. I don't like that player. There's no grading system that they're using. Everything's predicated on he's a one, or I don't see him as a first rounder. I don't, nobody knows what that means. So when these teams go to the combine, they're kind of laughing at these mock drafts, right? They're, they're, they really are chuckling at them. Not that they don't, not that they don't look at them. They, they do. 
but the player and the org and, and the whole thing is upside down because there's not enough data been collected on this, you know? And so, you know, everybody loves Marvin Harrison. Does everybody really know neighbors, Malik neighbors from LSU? Because there are some teams that may have neighbors ahead of Harrison. Now you say that's, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. Well, I mean, how do you evaluate them? You know, you're taking one person's word. You can go back and look at all the mock drafts for a long, long time. And you could see some of the players that, that were put in the first round that ended up not ever even being it. I mean, just take Malik Willis. Remember, he was a top five pick at one time. Then he went to a top 10. Then he got picked in the third round. So one of the things you got to be really careful with here is, is relying on a certain set of information from the source. You can't. You got to evaluate the source first, and it's also why the danger in looking at a betting screen, seeing minus six fifty in front of Marvin Harrison Jr.'s name for first non-quarterback selected, and saying, "Oh, well, that means it's a rock-solid lock that he's going in that position." Because not only do you believe Harrison Jr. as is not likely to go first overall, which some people have in their mocks, you're not sure he's even going to be the first non-quarterback drafted in general, which, based on the odds, would be a crazy statement. Yet. In NFL drafts parlance, that's really not that wild at all with how this stuff is super high variant. Who do you believe outside of a Harrison could actually be a guy at that same position drafted above him? You know, I don't know that yet. And and I'm not saying Harrison won't be. I'm not saying make that bet. I'm saying to me there's enough rumblings around that you might want to play another receiver or an offensive tackle. We'll know more. I think Harrison's a really good player. I'm not suggesting he's not. But I think to me, it's, it, it isn't like, oh, my God, I'm going to pass up a quarterback or that. I think there's a lot of conversation, you know, from the Bears organization that they actually like, you know, that they actually like McCarthy. They like Bo Nix. They like neighbors. They like uh, other they like Harrison, but they also like other receivers. So remember, it's it's not always about, you know, the universal thought. It's about game. It's about draft strategy, draft management how you want to play this. And the combine is a big piece to this because the health of the players, right? That's key. You're going to have to get a physical on all these guys. And so you're going to have to know where they sit, how they handle themselves, and then the character of the player, right? That's important too, especially when it comes to these quarterbacks. So yes, you know, we've seen different reports on Caleb Williams. I wouldn't take him in the fourth round. I would take him, you know, like it's all over the place, which is when you're scouting outside in as opposed to inside out. The other one that jumps out is a number that not only is different than, say, the big minus money prices like a Caleb Williams, who's minus 1,000 to go number one overall, or the Harrison Jr. piece, minus 650 to be the first non-quarterback selected, but it's one where the books don't even know, and they've kind of thrown up their hands here. It's that second pick right now where Drake May out of North Carolina, he's minus 140 to go before Jaden Daniels, who's plus 120 in that number two overall pick market. Daniels, the favorite at number three, seems like a decision that could easily flip depending on how some of the combine and workout stuff goes. What are you hearing? What do you make of the May-Daniels comps right now as that second quarterback off the board? Well, I think there's too much to be determined, right? There's too much to be out there, right? We got Everybody wants to see Daniels, what he looks like. Obviously, Drake May, there's ups and downs opinion on that. Look, we see it all the time in every draft, right? There were, you know, there were differences of opinion on Stroud. There were differences of opinion on, on Bryce Young. Could you play, you know, Bryce Young, remember, everybody was worried how big he was, could, you know, and how tall was he going to be. And so, you know, when you don't have a grading system that you're talking about, you can't really identify what fits into your system because you don't, you're not, 
you're not scouting inside out, you're scouting outside in. So I think one of the things you want to do is you just want to kind of let the combine go. The numbers will speak volumes on the players, especially when you look at, you know, size and speed will always be moved to the top of a board because this is a sport about size and speed. And so when you find guys like Dontario Poe who run fast and are really big men, they may not play football great, but they're going to get drafted early. And so you have to kind of constantly look at that because teams can manufacture reasons to draft a player early. We've seen all the mistakes on that. And most of them come down to the character of the player. How badly do they want to become great, right? That's the hard challenge for all of us. Scouting isn't about finding talent. Scouting is about eliminating talent and separating good from great. That's and why those they, two uh, things matter, and that's what the Combine allows you to do. Why it's such a crazy time with the, with the rumors, maybe the false info out there with the Combine, and it all starts tomorrow in Indianapolis. We'll talk some cal- salary cap discussion and some more NFL news on the other side of the Lombardi line. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Hey, if you haven't already, check out our brand new website, vcin.com. We've had that same website for a long time, but it's a new look, fresh look, and we've got great articles already up for you today to get some betting action in, including our Jonathan Von Tobel, his best bets and analysis for the Sunday card. JVT, our senior NBA analyst who will join us coming up in about 15 minutes. Also, college basketball top plays as well, even the uh, Premier League spring training baseball. We've got everything covered for you with a fresh look, enhanced navigation, and mobile-first focus on the new vcin.com today. We've gotten through most of our NFL news and notes for the uh, the day in the last couple of days here, Michael, but one we touched on very brief, briefly, want to get your thoughts on now, though, is Eric Bieniemy, who, as we'll talk about his former team, Washington, here in just a second, as we'll go into some salary cap heaven and hell heading into this offseason period. But Bieniemy, he takes a job at UCLA as he ends up getting out of the NFL, working for the new head coach there, Deshaun Foster, who replaced Chip Kelly as uh, as UCLA Bruins head coach there. So Bieniemy going to be the OC 
the OC and uh, associate head coach at UCLA had Chip Kelly, who left. He took the OC job at Ohio State. What do you make of that uh, move there from Biennemi after he certainly did not end up getting that head coaching job at the NFL, and now he's out of the NFL altogether? Yeah, I didn't even get very many interviews. I know he interviewed for Seattle as the OC, didn't get that job. So, look, you know, it's one of those things where this happens in the league. Sometimes you have to take a, a step back. I don't know if, you know, working in the Big Ten, calling a college offense, which is a, a pretty good job for him, is I think the disappointing thing here, Ben, has been, you know, had he been, you know, well-received in Washington, he would have at least gotten a stint as a as an interim coach. Uh, but I think there was a lot of conflict within the building between he and the players. We saw that early last summer where the players were complaining and then Rivera kind of didn't defend them, but he did defend them. And then it kind of got ugly. And look, you know, he almost got the quarterback killed calling 600 plus passes, had no run game. Their offense wasn't any better, didn't improve from year from the last year to the other year in terms of they could run the ball and they played closer games. So Look, he's still getting paid by Washington, so UCLA will get a really good discount on a contract, and he can kind of go back there and see if he likes the college game and implement his offensive football approach into it. I do think he needs to reevaluate. You know, he's proudly announces that, you know, he, he, Andy would be proud of me. I've called 55 straight passes. Well, that works for Andy sometimes, but I think if you look at Andy at the end of the year, he decided to stop calling all those passes and protect his offensive line. Sometimes the situation determines what you need to do, not the philosophy of what you've done in the past. Personnel goes right into that, too. And personnel in Washington with a bad offensive line probably didn't dictate. Uh, you, you set your quarterback up for disaster <laughs> kind of like that. And that's where we can transition now into, Michael, because we talk teams in salary cap heaven versus salary cap hell. But you know, the whole heaven and hell discussion, it only goes so far, right? Like Washington has the most cap space of anybody. I would say of any team, along with New England, who will also talk about Washington needs all that cap space because they got a whole lot of holes to fill uh, on that roster in general here. And now with all the new change in ownership, new coaching coming in, ev there will be so much change going on in the nation's capital this year with Washington nearly $80 million in cap space ahead of Tennessee who we have the Commanders, Titans, Bears, Patriots, and Colts in salary cap heaven with the most cap space. And so for Washington, I mean, it's like it's like order A, B, C, D, and E of business, right, with how they have to attack this thing with all those uh, missing pieces on the roster. Well, you know, it's going to be Adam Peters' job to do that. And Quinn's defense fits what Adam Peters has seen from the past in San Francisco when he was the assistant GM there. They've got a lot of work to do defensively. I mean, the two... You know, two defensive tackles, Payne and Allen, are signed for contracts, but around them, there's really not enough team speed on defense. They haven't drafted well uh, there. And then when you look at their offensive line, that has really been bad. I mean, that's been one of the things that I think has been the, the thorn to their offensive production side, whether it's been the left tackle, Charles Leno, who struggles at times, to the right tackle, Wiley, who they signed from Kansas City and paid him a lot of money. This team has skilled players, but no line. And I think that's the perfect uh, idea that you better have a really good offensive and defensive line if you're going to compete at the highest level. I, I was really wrong on this team because two years ago, Ben, they played really good defense. I mean, they were in the top. They were the best third down defense in the league two years ago. They did a lot of good things defensively. They were good in the red zone. They just couldn't make explosive plays. Taylor Heineke at quarterback wasn't good enough. But their defense took four steps backwards, not just one. They took four steps backwards, and they don't really have a corner that can cover. They drafted Emmanuel Forbes in the first round last year, 
and he hasn't proven to be the cover guy that they hoped for or the playmaker that they were. Remember, two years ago, they couldn't turn the ball over defensively. So this is going to be an un- this is going to be a a rebuild of of the lines. It has to be, and they've got to figure out the quarterback, right? The quarterback, are they going to go with Howe? Are they going to let Howe go? Would somebody trade for Howe? I'm not sure that Howe's bad. You know, I think Howe got the crap beat out of him, frankly. And I think there's some things to like about Howe. Now, do I think he's a starter? I think you need more of that. But I, I think, to me, he showed toughness because he was got that crap beat out of him for a lot of games. So... This is going to we're going to see what Adam Peters strategy is in terms of team building, because it's his show. Quinn is there as as the manager, like in a baseball team. Peters runs the team. He's going to pick the players. We'll see how this all meshes together. And yeah, it's a team that, you know, finished so poorly. You talk about the 31st ranked defense in yards per play, pass defense, 29th in yards per drive. And now you bring in Dan Quinn. You have Cliff Kingsbury as well as the offensive coordinator. You would think a lot of changes to be made there and a a roster that likely going to look a whole lot different in week one as it did at the end of last year. That's your team leader uh, as far as salary cap space. Tennessee is also right up there. They're second on the salary cap list right now of most available space, Michael, as we talk salary cap heaven and hell. But I mean, as much as Washington's in that complete rebuild, you have Tennessee now going the Brian Callahan route, former Bengals offensive coordinator, and you figure that it will be you know Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry out the door, and a whole lot of fresh faces there. It's it's an interesting point to be at though with a Tennessee team that it kind of controversially fires Mike Vrabel, who got so much out of bad personnel, and we're about to find out just you know how <laughs> how bare the cupboard really is with how much Vrabel got out of those teams. Yeah, I think they're going to wonder where Brable is by about eight weeks. And that's not a knock on Brian Callahan. Look, this off, this team hasn't drafted well. When John Robinson was there, they didn't draft well. They had a lot of first-round picks that didn't play. And they've struggled there. They've struggled to replace some of the players. I think the biggest change is going to be, you know, people are criticizing them on offense, you know, obviously with Ryan Tannehill. But when you go down the Derrick Henry road, who is a fabulous player, you're kind of committed to this run game that they ran. It was going to be run game defense. And that's what Vrabel was able to win and upset some teams in in the playoffs, specifically Baltimore when they went back in there. But it's hard to win a title that way. And so now we're going to find out, is Will Levis good enough? I mean, I think one of the things that Brian Callahan has to embrace in his career is going to be kind of tied to this a little bit is, can he get Levis to play at a better level? Now, there's some people that think Levis is great. We saw that last year in the draft when people were screaming for him to get picked in the first round. There's some that aren't so sure. I don't think anybody could say watching the tape that they have an answer. I'm not particularly high on him. But I, I hold back on that caveat because he really got the he also got the crap beat out of him. That that offensive line was really bad, and I think Bill Callahan, Brian's father, coming in will really help them, and it'll get some stability with the offensive line. He'll make that line better. They'll be able to run block with more effectiveness, and it'll help the offense tremendously. And with eighty million dollars of cap room, they can put a lot of that into the defense and build players around one of the dominant three techniques in the league in Jeffrey Simmons.
at least the early reports are that an offensive lineman will be targeted for for the Tennessee draft pick. They've got seventh uh, seven uh, pick overall there in the first round. And yeah, for Levis, I mean, he showed the potential, right? He had the, he was kind of a boomer bust guy, made some incredible deep throws. It was about the consistency, though, for him as he tries to you know, turn things forward there in uh, 2024. As far as salary cap, Pell, we'll talk one team right now, Michael, the team who has the uh, the least amount of cap space. So the furthest under is the Buffalo Bills. What do you see Buffalo doing here as we? I uh, hit the start of the new league year. Well, I think it's tough for Buffalo. I think this is a big year for Buffalo. I, I mean, every time I watch a tape after the season, go back and watch it, Buffalo's got to be kicking themselves. You know, they had every opportunity to beat Kansas City, could have gotten the game into overtime if they make the kick, you know, and, and they had the ball for 37 minutes. But this team is older on defense. They're kind of stuck in the cap. They're going to have to start getting rid of players. I don't know how they're going to add players to their team. You know, what are they going to do with Diggs? This is going to be a real challenge. Now, look, all that being said, they have a great quarterback. They have a really great quarterback in, 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 in uh, Josh Allen. And so he solves a lot of problems. As the great John Madden once said, you know, a, a quarterback is a deodorant for what's wrong with your team. This, to me, is going to be a fascinating offseason for Buffalo because they don't have, they're not going to have a ton of cap room. And they've got issues, especially on defense. You know, they got to bring Von Miller back. They're stuck with this contract. It's a disaster. And I don't think it had anything to do with the injury. I think it had everything to do with Von Miller might be at the end of his career. They have no pass rush. And how are they going to fix the problems of their team? That, to me, becomes really the issue. And I think it's going to be a challenge as they move forward because they've got to, they're going to have to cut some players, especially the safeties, which they rely on so much defensively. Absolutely. Uh, Bills, Saints, Dolphins, Chargers, Broncos. Five teams most below the cap number as we get into the combine starting tomorrow and then the new league year, which starts on March 13th. We'll talk some more exit interviews in a little bit on the NFC East. But up next, Jonathan Von Tobel joins us to talk some NBA. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball and the NBA, the VSIT experts have got you covered. Become a VSIT Pro subscriber today. Get our daily best bets emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VSIN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. We also just released our free NBA at the All-Star Break guide. You can visit VSIN.com slash pro to subscribe today. That is VSIN.com slash pro as we're talking some NBA right now with Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst here at the network. And uh, Michael, you're excited to have JVT on because it's two of your favorite forces colliding today. Doc Rivers back to Philadelphia. Here we go. Uh, JVT early market movement though was to the Sixers overnight. This went down to bucks minus four and a half. What do you make of the return here for Doc Rivers? 12th game as head coach for the bucks against his former team in Philly. Yeah, I don't agree with the market. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm fine going against the market. A good example of that the other day was uh, Utah got some play against Charlotte. They ended up losing that game outright. So if, if it happens, sometimes it happens. But I don't understand it. So I'll push back a little bit here. You know, you mentioned kind of like this recent stretch since losing Joel Embiid, guys, four and six straight up and against the spread, a negative 6.3 net rating. And in fairness, they got two solid wins. They beat Cleveland twice, one without Donovan Mitchell, one with. Um, but in the losses, they've been bad. The negative 15 net rating, they're small. They can't really rebound effectively. We saw that in the loss against the Knicks. You're going to have trouble rebounding here against Milwaukee. 
and I liked what I saw against, uh, you know, Minnesota for the most part defensively for the Bucs. You know, they look like they're at least trying to figure things out on that end of the floor. So I've got a size advantage. I've got a rebounding advantage. I think I've got a defensive advantage. And you got a poor defensive backcourt here. So I like four and a half with Milwaukee in this early morning game. I don't see why the, the, the market would be coming in here uh, on the Philadelphia 76ers. So Bucks minus four and a half are better for me. Yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, look, I'm a, I, I don't see this. That they just don't have enough firepower. And you, the Nick game the other night, when you watched that, they were really not in that game at all. I mean, the Knicks dominated the glass and kind of did whatever they wanted to do. Even though Kyle Lowry made his debut in Philadelphia, you know, I don't know if he'll be healthy enough to play. He got what six stitches in his head. He got elbowed yep. in the head. And, and so, but I, I agree. I, I think especially we saw it against Cleveland down the stretch. They had a hard time scoring. I, I want to shift a little bit, JVT, and get off of, I want to ask you about the Mavericks because, you know, the Mavericks are playing the best basketball of a long time. Do you think it's realistic to put some pizza money on Luka to be the MVP? Yeah, I do, Michael. And I think that one of the things in it, he's like, I think the last one, right, in terms of like the list. So you have uh, well, you have Jokic, you have Gilgis Alexander, and then you have uh, Doncic in that order for MVP. And I think that's kind of your line of demarcation. So I do think that's worth it because I don't think Jokic has this lead that the market would let you believe, right, minus 140 or so. And I think when you when you watch him play, first off, he's got the counting stats. Uh, so you're going to have that. Uh, they're they're going to finish around four five, and they're going to be lucky to get to four. So I think they're going to finish five. That might work against him. But in terms of what he's been able to do statistically, I think he's right up there with some of these candidates being able to kind of drag this team. And remember, you know, they're on this winning streak right now, right? They're seven and zero straight up, six and one against the spread. That's since Kyrie's come back. Kyrie's been kind of inconsistent with his availability. The usage for Doncic, uh, the minutes he's had to play, everything he's had to do for this team speaks to his value for Dallas. So I would say yes. Like if you were going to make a bet, I think you can make the case there is theoretical value in both Shea Gildas Alexander and Luka Doncic to win this award because I don't think the gap between these three is as wide as the market would indicate. So I would agree with that. Doncic down from 10 to 1 from the All Star break past Giannis there a couple of days ago after that 41 point outburst in uh, the Mavs' big win coming out of the All Star break. Are you. Are are you thinking that we we so often just relied on the straw polls that now have become very popular from uh, you know, from some of the NBA insiders like Tim Bontemps here that have made a basis on the odds for MVP? Are, are we seeing a shift from that at all as so many people have kind of just defaulted to, oh, yeah, Jokic, he's still going to win it. Yet the odds don't necessarily totally go all in on that notion. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that for like what we kind of see happen is, you know, straw ball comes out, Ben, market kind of moves to reflect it a little bit, and then you kind of just stay there stuck and static for the most part until you start to see the next straw poll, or unless certain events happen. Like, I'll give you an example. You know, Kawhi Leonard thrusts himself up into the top five in the last straw poll. Well, Shea Gilders Alexander and the Thunder beat the crap out of the Los Angeles Clippers the other day, effectively, I believe at least, eliminating Kawhi Leonard from kind of getting into the MVP conversation legitimately. And so you'll see that too, where this time of year, when these guys play head-to-head, the market will really respond to those results. I mean, go back to last year. Michael, remember that game on a Saturday where Joel Embiid, you know, stuck a dagger in Nikola Jokic's face on a three-pointer uh, three in Philly, and they ended up, you know, of course, we we know what happened for MVP. So we'll see those, Ben, I think, when these guys play yeah. head-to-head. You'll see reactions in the market. But for the most part, I think it's pretty static. It reflects what we see in the straw poll from time from pole to pole. And then Mavs laying a point and a half there on the road today, a JBT at Indiana, a spot that you also like as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I mentioned the winning streak, guys. 7-0 straight up, 6-1 against the spread. That began when Kyrie Irving came back from injury. Like, when these two guys are on the floor together, they're elite. When you look at the net rating, the offensive rating with those guys on the floor, 123.2. Net rating, outscoring opponents by 9.6 points every 100 possessions. This team's great. And when you look at Indiana, we haven't seen the consistency yet from Tyrese Halbert and Pascal Siakam. And when you look at it, yes, they have a net rating of plus 6, uh, but their defensive rating still well below average. Aaron Neesmith's not playing today, so no real true perimeter defender to throw on Kyrie Irving and or Luka Don outside of Pascal Siakam. I think it's going to be a problem for him here. So I think if Dallas, I'm just going to ride with the win streak here. With Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, I rate them much higher. Uh, and you're not really missing out on a bunch, right? Indi- opened up Indiana minus one and a half. We're now Mavericks minus one. That swing, that, that swing through zero is not worth that much. So I'm willing to come in and lay a point here with the Dallas Mavericks today. And Wemby's going up to Utah, and obviously it's not been a great year for San Antonio and and Utah. I thought it's actually better than I thought they were going to be. But you like you like Utah, you like San Antonio today. How come JVT? Yeah, so Michael, there's a, you know coming into the post All Star break and this time of year, you know I, I've got a couple of teams circled that I think are worth playing on and playing against. And Utah is a team that I think is worth playing against now here down the stretch. One of the things that I, I think the market as a whole has failed to really. Ah, oh, JVT was about to make the the best point yeah, of the segment, uh, Michael, buddy. But but he froze up on us. We'll get him uh, reconnected and back in a second, as he does like the uh, the Spurs today, and it'll it'll lead into kind of a discussion just in general on some of these fade teams down the stretch, because you know, we are in that sense, right, Michael? You have teams who are are now seeing their market value maybe being either a little bit inflated or they're in sell mode. And so, like, I, I looked at, we did some, you know, in-season win total numbers the other day on a numbers game, and I thought, you know, Wizards are at, like, 16 and a half, which they would have needed to go 8 and 20 out of the break, and they, they're a double-digit dog almost every night. I just don't see where they're getting the eight wins, as they have no incentive to win going forward. So that's part, that's part of, uh, you know, where the, uh, the calculus comes in, too, as well. Uh, and Wizards, again, are a double-digit dog today against Cleveland. Uh, we do have JVT back here. As you, you were just talking, you, you're making the best point I think you've ever heard. I've ever heard you make JVT, and then you froze up. It was just too good uh, here on your Spurs plus seven argument. Well, uh, hopefully that's not my best point ever. I mean, it speaks to my my history here, Vison. No, but just really quickly, like Kelly Olynyk, Ochai Baji, Simone Fontecchio, they're not household names, guys. These are all guys that play 20-plus minutes a game for the Utah Jazz, a team that is outside of the play-in right now. So when those guys are gone, that's a pretty big loss that I'm Ah, oh, he was making a great point again. Unfortunately, we lost uh, about that. Uh, that uh, yeah, so Spurs plus seven, though, that is the look for uh, for JVT. He also has a, a look as another dog on the Charlotte Hornets plus one twenty. So we'll, we'll try again to uh, to to get him um, connected as there. And I, I, you know, it's funny how we brought up the whole movement though on you know going pro Philly, which I'm also surprised, Michael, because you and I are, and it sounds like JVT, we're all on the same page here where this does profile as a great kind of smash spot for Milwaukee as they start to get things, uh, you know, clicked on all cylinders there at Philly. I was surprised to see that yeah. number come in, in, in favor of the Sixers. Yeah, me too, because I mean, look, Philly, when they played the Knicks on Thursday night, coming off the ball-star break, they, they really struggled. They got beat up on the glass. They could, you know, Paul Reed, you know, the, the Bamba, you know, they don't really have a physical presence up inside. And, you know, when the game is on the line and they've got to put, you know, put the ball, if they're hot, if they're shooting well from the three-point line, if Kelly Oubre's shooting well and, you know, and, 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 and campaign is shooting well. They're they're actually they get they can, but you know when they get well in those colder streaks, it becomes problematic. So um, I, I I'm surprised this is under five. I really am because yeah. they're they're going to have a hard time. I think they'll have a hard time staying close. 
you sometimes wonder too with some of these line moves was that maybe a setup there just with low limits people looking to push that number down only to come back and take Milwaukee. That game does tip in about an hour and a half, so still sitting four and a half. Your biggest movers today, the Pelicans at home against the Bulls, that's up from two and a half now to four or four and a half market wide. I mentioned Washington. I, I see that, Michael, is just a dead team walking right now. They they finally benched Jordan Poole. It's like, how many how many bricks do you have to throw up yeah. from three to finally get benched? Well, we have the answer. It took about uh, 55, 58 games, but Cleveland against the Wizards I mean, today from 11 up to lose, 12 and a half. If you wanted to lose, wouldn't you keep playing Jordan Poole? I mean, uh, now you can make that. I think it's one of those they're they're trying to you know, for for like culture building in the future, trying to make the point they don't want to put up with that. But you're right, it is a weird thing that they like. It's a team who wants a high, <laughs> as high of a draft pick as possible, and Poole is a great source of not winning when you've got him in there. Yeah, I mean, so to me, it's like, look, I, 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 we haven't even gotten to the NBA draft, but obviously there's so many teams that are trying to reconstruct their roster. Washington, you know, San Antonio's in the same situation, even though they have Wemby there. You know, when you look at it and, and, and look at what Oklahoma City has been able to do by collecting picks and how good they are. And, you know, it goes back to the really the essential thing of all this is it takes talent to evaluate talent. And Presti has talent. No question. Uh, we will continue the show right Wrap it up next with some NFC East exit interviews. Apologies for the technical difficulties on Jonathan Von Tobold. All of his picks available at our website, vcin.com, as we wrap up the Sunday edition of the Lombardi Line next. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use promo code VSEN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown 
is yours. I'm Ben in for Stormy one more time with Michael Lombardi. Big thanks to our guest today, Will Hill on college basketball, some NFL and NBA as well as Jonathan Von Tobel on the NBA as well. Big thanks to all of our uh, audiences as well. Marquee Sports Network in Chicago, Nesson in New England and Masson in the DMV. And we'll uh, talk some Washington Commanders football right now, Michael, since we're doing our exit interviews for the NFC East teams, continuing uh, that offseason tradition we do here on the Lombardi line. So let's talk Commanders. And you know, it's always the questions of, did the team reach its full potential uh, or did they fall short? I think we know the answer there out of Washington team that finished 4-13. and 13. But where I want to focus with you on this is, the, the issues to try to resolve here. They have the most cap space of anybody. You have a new coach, new offensive coordinator, new ownership, new everything there for Washington. What is number one on your list as far as things to resolve heading into the offseason? Well, they also have a new structure, right? So Adam Peters is the king of all football in, in Washington. I mean, it's not about Dan Quinn. It's not about, you know, uh, Martin Mayhew anymore. It's not about... Uh, Marty Mahoney. This is really about it's the Adam Peters show in, in Washington. And he's going he's been given the keys to the kingdom. He's going to build the team. And, you know, and they hired Dan Quinn to be a guy to come in and have positive energy within the building. I, I think this is an organization that still, you know, is going to have to go through some detox of that of the past regime, not because of Ron Rivera, certainly, but because of their former owner. And I think there's a lot of sensitivity in terms of when you walk into a new place like Dan Quinn is, you know, the level of expectations, what you ask for the players from what they were accustomed. If you go back to the enemy situation where the players felt like Eric was too tough, too demanding, you know, that says, speaks a lot about your culture. Quinn's going to have to change that because you're going to have to be demanding you're, to rise above four wins. You're going to have to kind of put some of the pressure on this team obviously has to fix both offensive and defensive lines. They've got two good tackles. They have no ends, and they need two offensive tackles. They sign Wiley, the Leno. You can get by. They think they can with them. Good luck. They've tried. Their quarterback has gotten killed uh, over the past, but there's a lot of work to do. They've got a couple good players in McLaurin. Dotson are very good, right? Samuel's a free agent. But what are they going to do with quarterback? I think that's the fundamental question is how they handle that position. And, you know, they're going to be able to do that in the draft if they like Jaden Daniels, if they like Drake May. And they've been working on it all year. So we're going to find out and we'll see what Peters does. Remember, Peters was really instrumental in drafting Trey Lance in San Francisco. Does he want that style of quarterback? You know, is that something he would be interested in? Are they going to be interested in Justin Fields, who played his best game as a pro in Washington? So there's a lot to do here, but it all starts with the line and the quarterback. I've heard a lot, too, about potential fit in a Cliff Kingsbury offense. How much do you see Washington looking at Kingsbury, his traits, and wanting to find a fit for him versus just taking the guy they like the most and having Cliff work around that guy? Well, I think it's going to come down to the guy that Peters likes the most and Cliff's going to have to work around it. I think Cliff's a really good offensive coach. I think one of the things we make a mistake of, Ben, is that we evaluate a offensive coordinator when he was a head coach. You know, Arthur Smith's not a good coach. No, Arthur Smith's a really good offensive coordinator. He may not be a great head coach, but he's a really good offensive coordinator. I think it's the same with Kingsbury. Kingsbury understands how to move the football, and I think he'll do a good job of developing the quarterback and understanding the strengths. Look, you know, Patrick Mahomes just didn't walk on to Texas Tech. Like, Kingsbury, he recruited him. He saw something in him, you know, and he, and he, and he was there. And, and obviously, he was ahead of the curve on a lot of people. So, I think he'll do a good job. I think they're going to have to fix the offensive line. 
and they're going to have to fix so many other things in terms of their defense. Their defense obviously was poorly coached last year and poorly executed. Washington finishes with four wins last year. And as far as rebuilding goes, they and the New York Giants are in that battle right now trying to move up in the NFC East where the Giants only win six games outside of Carolina, who is the consensus bottom power rated team at the end of the year. Michael, I had Washington team 31 and the Giants team 30. I was really down on the way both of those teams ended the season. Where do you stand now on the Giants after a really disappointing 2023 that started on opening night with a disastrous loss to Dallas on Sunday night football and only spiraled from there uh, as you look onto the exit interviews here on the Giants side? Well, I mean, look, the Giants, it's all about it comes down to one thing. And, you know, we've we've listened to this. I've, I've heard Eli Manning say that, Daniel Jones is going to have a great year next year. I mean, they're, they're tied to their quarterback. They're not going to draft a quarterback. They're going to have to repair their offensive line. You know, when Andrew Thomas was out, their offensive line kind of fell apart. Evan Neal has not been a very good player for them. And then defensively, they're going to have to try to figure out how can they improve. You know, with the change from Martindale, who was a very blitz-heavy coach, are they good enough at corner? They're going to have to play more zone. You know, they're going to have to try to do that. Xavier McKinney, one of their best players, is a free agent. Are they going to re-sign him? And, of course, you got the Barkley situation. One thing we do know about the Giants is they don't want to give up. They love their own players. They're fully vested in their own. But this, to me, is a team that is going to have to rely on, is Daniel Jones good enough? And that's been the fundamental question since he started playing there in 19. Never throws it up the field. Has never averaged over seven yards per attempt. And, you know, now with the extra cap room that they have, are they going to franchise Barkley? Are they going to franchise McKinney? Are they going to keep him? I think this team needs a huge influx of talent, starting in the offensive line. I mean, you take Jason Pugh off the couch, not off the street, off the couch. Yeah, literally. And he ends up starting and playing a lot of games for it. you got problems. And the Evan Neal problem is not going to go away. He has not played well for them. They're going to have to – now they've changed offensive line coaches – Right. So we'll see how that all manifests itself. There is a part of this where fans say, OK, well, the Giants two years ago were in the postseason. Brian Dable was a coach of the year and he did that with Jones as his quarterback, even if maybe we looked a little bit deeper, Michael, and felt like there was some obvious regression there still to come with the Giants in 2023. As far as we talk ceiling and floor, is there still a ceiling, though, for the Giants, even with those struggles last year to get back to that type of playoff sort of team we saw in 2022? Were they really a playoff team, Ben? I mean, I never thought they were. You know, they kind of – remember down the stretch that year, you know, where they struggled to win games down the stretch? They had the great start. I think they caught a lot of people by surprise early in the year. They, were, they did a good job of managing the game. I think when you look at the 2022 season, right, you know, they started out really well. And, you know, they, they ended up they, – they ended up – they were 6-2 and two at the bye week. And then they won after the bye. And then from that, they were seven and two. And then they closed out the season nine and seven. So, and they got a good win against a bad Minnesota team. And then they got destroyed by Philadelphia. And they never played Philly close in either game. So, like to me, they were, they took advantage of a schedule. They won games early. And then the second half of that season, and since the second half of that season, you know, they have not been very good. Again, it's going to come down to, can, I mean, that's the year. So Daniel Jones takes him to the playoffs that year, Ben, and he averages 6.8 yards per attempt. You know, I mean, he throws 15 touchdown passes the whole year. So 
I think to me, there's a lot of work still to do in New York. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And you also got the benefit that you're facing a pretty fraudulent Minnesota team who had the best ever record in one score games in the first round of the postseason. It was sort of the fraud bowl there as we I remember referring it to it that way. And, and the Giants won uh, that game as a result. We'll throw one more at you here as part of our NFC East exit interviews, because there's been a lot of storylines about what's actually going on behind the scenes in Philadelphia and all sorts of turmoil there. What do you make of, of those reports and where Philly's at now heading into the offseason? You know, I think there's some serious concerns in Philly in the sense of what what they said. There's a Derek Gunn report, and then there's the uh, Craig Carton report, which are two different reports. Carton was talking about something within their locker room. Gunn was talking about the relationship between the quarterback and the distance that he had after the big contract and the fact that there was a disconnect on the team in terms of when they lost Big Dom on the sidelines because they couldn't manage the head coach who was out of control, which has happened in New York, too. So we have two NFC East coaches that are out of control on game day. Not a good sign. I mean, they have slow bet on defense, and this defense has been not very good. This is going to be a challenge for Vic Fangio. Their corner situation isn't good. Their speed at linebacker isn't good. And they're old in the defensive front. And the two players they got to count on, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, didn't play well in the second half of the season. Davis was out of shape. And Carter looked like he was going to be a lock for rookie of the year, and he didn't get it. So there's a lot of work to do. When you're 31st on third down and 30th in the red zone, there's a lot of work to do personnel-wise on defense. Finished your 30th against the run, 28th against the pass on EPA per play basis. Not pretty for Philadelphia. Michael, been a blast hanging out with you today. You're uh, taking some time off, right? little vacay. I will see you. Uh, yeah, I'll be back to uh, VEASAN Monday, a week from Monday. So I'm going to take some time off and enjoy it. You deserve Thank it. Thank you, Ben. Uh, we, we deserve it. Coming up on the Combine here starting tomorrow, all sorts of offseason NFL talk to get into. Enjoy that, Michael. Great to be with you as always. Big thanks to our producer, uh, Elliot Bowman, as well. And our guests on the show today, Will Hill and Jonathan Von Tobel, the rest of the entire crew on the production side here at VEASAN. I'm Ben Wilson. It's been a lot of fun hanging out today on the Lombardi line. Up next, we've got a special weekend edition of The Handle. Matt Brown, Mike Samich have you covered on the other side here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 